is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey's denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to FUVFC, WFUV Sports' only soccer podcast, coming to you live from New York, New York. That's right, back in studio on the Rose Hill campus of Fordham University in the Bronx. I am James Burley, joined by Michael Hernandez. And making his pod, uh, pod debut on FUVFC, Chris Carino. Chris, how you doing, my man? I'm fantastic. We're really getting in the swing of the season right now, and there's nothing better. It's really, really soccer season. That it is. We have a very special episode. And if you're hearing my voice, and you can you could see my smile, because we do have the visual component today, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's Major League Soccer season, folks. But first, Michael, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on a podcast. Uh, I think the last one was... I think like a month ago, but yeah, I'm just happy to be on. Well, I'm happy to have you back on. You've been behind the boards a lot recently. Yeah. A new uh, job for you. Yeah, I've been doing a lot behind the board um, for other uh, WFUV things. Well, yeah, catch Michael's work uh, throughout all of our WFUV Sports podcast catalog. Uh, today also we gave you a break. basketball games. And some basketball games. Yeah. Look at you, doing the live stuff. Wow. I try. Right, you're making big strides, my man. <laughs> uh, we gave you a break from uh, the production stuff. We got Pat and Matero behind the boards today doing some great work for us. But let's start. In Europe, before we come back stateside and talk about Major League Soccer, uh, you, you're already shying away from this one, Michael, because we have to talk about probably the biggest matchup in the Champions League from this week. Two European giants in Real Madrid and Liverpool. We'll go first. Oh, I uh, I thought you were talking about Man City-Leipzig. No, 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 no. We are going to oh. talk about Madrid-Liverpool first to get it out of the way for you, my friend, because That's, your yes. boys got embarrassed Pretty bad. I couldn't even watch the match. Yeah. I was at Red Bull Arena for media day. I, I, I saw your tweets, yeah. Thank, well, thank you for following my tweets, man. Yeah. But It was more entertaining than the second half of the I'm game. I'm sure it was for you at least, but there are a lot of fans in the capital of Spain who are really enjoying that. Just your thoughts on the game, Michael. I, I'll get your take on it first before me and Chris can have the objective. Have uh, some fun with me, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so obviously, you know, heading into the game, I mean, I didn't really have that much faith. You know, if you look at Liverpool's season as a whole, it's been a massive disappointment. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, but, you know, when you do win two games in a row, you know, you have the Merseyside Derby and then you beat uh, Newcastle, you know, you start to have that momentum. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe we can do something. And, you know, at, it's at Anfield, you know, that I've been to that stadium before. You know, those those European nights, they really are something. And, um, yeah, you know, we, Liverpool got off to the perfect start. I mean, you know, you have a goal from Nunez with a ridiculous heel. Like, I, when I saw that goal, I was a great goal. And then a Courtois has a mistake. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, Liverpool are 2-0 up within 15 minutes. You know, if it stays like this, there's a chance of us going through. Because as we all saw last year, Real Madrid, even when they're a couple of goals down, when the second leg is at the Bernabeu, they can do something. 
they didn't even need to wait until the second leg. They just decided to do it uh, at Anfield. Um, the first goal by Vinicius was, you know, a, an amazing goal. Uh, second goal, uh, we're going to skip that because that, <laughs> that, that was just a poor mistake. Uh, so, you know, and then it's halftime. It's 2-2, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, this has been a pretty wild game, but if I want to have any hope of advancing, I need Liverpool to take the lead. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I actually stopped watching after the fourth goal. Like, once it was 4-2, Benzema put it in. I'm like, I... I, I'm sure you weren't the only one. I can't watch. Like, I am just in Spain without the S. Spain without the S. Yeah. It's brutal. And then they... And then I get a tweet saying it's it's 5-2, and I'm like, of course it is. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's pretty obvious. You know, Liverpool's Champions League journey ends at the round of 16, so now it's... Liverpool's main priority is getting top four, which has seemed impossible at times but there is still an outside chance that Liverpool can get that right now um, Newcastle occupy that spot but because they don't play and we'll get to that later if Liverpool win uh, this weekend and their game in hand then they're level on points with Newcastle so top four is a possibility but at this point that is all they have and they need to put all their focus on that because top four is a standard that Klopp has set when, when, when he came into the club and that is something that needs to be done so that we can get uh, the players that we want you know and, and and for everything it was perfect it was perfect <laughs> for anyone who hates <laughs> the fan base that resides in Liverpool it was perfect the revenge it, it, it comes with the factor of the Champions League final the year before and that re- they were just hopped up on revenge up to nothing hopped up on just nostalgia of this era when they actually used to win big games. And they are just, they were all hopped up, and then Courtois makes a mistake. He's supposed to be the best goalkeeper in the world, and even he's crumbling. Oh, my God, you're in you're in Wonderland. I was in Wonderland, yeah. And then Angelotti, who I love dearly, and the rest of Real Madrid had to let Liverpool know, hey, we were better than you a couple months ago, and we're even better than you now. That's all I have to say. All I'm saying is that halftime team talk, it wasn't even words. Ancelotti just did the eyebrow thing and the rest Well, of yeah, as a Chelsea fan, I'm aware of the, his greatness yeah. and just his just the way he carries, just his presence. And I really yeah. believe that. And I've gotten lucky as a Chelsea fan, obviously, with Mourinho and him. And that they really and with Graham Potter Conte. and I, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Lord. You you guys both coming in hot, and I love it. That is, that's that's out of pocket. And you're, you're right about Conte, Tuchel. But, I, yeah, I've had great success with them. And Angelotti, from personal experience, he's just he's just the greatest. And that that, that greatness, he, he is, he's just he is a champion. He, he's a great coach. Just yeah. a winner. Just he, simply a winner. He's and won the Champions League three times. He, he's a winner, and it just yeah. simply carries through the rest of his side. And it, it, there hasn't been a better, more perfect marriage than the winning of Real Madrid and the winning of Angelotti and those cultures coming together and really just making something beautiful. I think, yeah, just to put aside the winning culture of the staff of the team and the players, you just think about the history of the club and the culture of Real Madrid. The Champions League is their competition. They've won it 14 times for a reason. They're reigning champions for a reason. They were a different level. That second half was men against boys. Uh, Michael, I don't want to do any 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 nah, longer on this. It, just say it, just say it. Because they have not got a prayer in the second leg now. No. That's true. Uh, uh, unless if, like, unless. the entire starting 11 just gets, you know, injuries that take them out or Well, that's what's happening happens. to Liverpool. If, you look, if we look at the story of Liverpool, injuries have been an issue. Diaz. Guys, Diaz on, this si- guys, on, guys on this side of the table actually have morals, so we don't root for injury. See, but, see. You know. I know. No, I'm saying, like, apart from that, <laughs> we, there is no chance. And even yeah. with that. The backpedaling. I don't think, li- like, <laughs> I, I don't think that would happen. Like, 
Yeah, it's like I said earlier. It's over. It's over. And Real Madrid have the additional depth that even a side as massive as Liverpool do not have. And that has been tested in the Premier League this season and last season with injury. Um, And going back to the season before that, I would say even more so. But they had a traumatic run to capture top four at the end of two seasons ago. Yeah, the 2020-2021, yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's kind of, uh, there are a couple of there parallels. Are parallels. A lot of injuries, and then Liverpool go on this monster run at the start of March, basically, yes. in a couple of days. Tate, and that when and players started to get healthy again, too, and when yeah. their defense stopped leaking in goals like crazy. So I, I, I will say, if Liverpool, uh, a lot of pundits were saying if Liverpool beat Newcastle, then they're definitely in the race for top four, because... I mean, uh, I mean, uh, that was a, sta- I, I that was a statement know. performance. Yeah, it, it, it was, was. And, and you know, and, and we'll get to what happened in Newcastle. You know, uh, with the red card. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, right now Liverpool have an outside chance, but the issue I, I have with Liverpool is that they've been very inconsistent. You know, like I, I remember they beat Man City, and then a week later they lose to Nottingham Forest. I'm like, what? How does that happen? And that's an interesting point you've kind of brought to my attention. The Liverpool fan base and just like everybody who supports the club has been so used to that magic just like coming through in all of the moments, every big moment, every single year really for almost half a decade. It was just great just great moment after great moment, even if you didn't necessarily win the competition. Every time it felt like magic was going to happen, magic was happening. Yeah. And now Liverpool fans need to come to that kind of, they'd come to that self-awareness and kind of recenter themselves and realize like, hey, this team we have out there is a good side, but there's work to be done. It's not good enough. You know, and even Klopp admitted, you know, it's a bit of a... Well, he, might be the first, he might be the first thing I get rid of. No. Absolutely not. That that's, that's a big take. That is outrageous. You know, Klopp would stay. Like I, I will tell you right why, now. Why would Klopp stay? Yeah, yeah. What he has done to that Liverpool team. Take a look at where they were before, and take a look at where they are now. Okay, not now. Okay, before the start of the season, 2016. Yes. to now. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep going. We can understand. We understand. <laughs> yes, they yeah. Made uh, before strides. you say, look where they are right now. So you know what he has done has turned Liverpool, uh, j- just you know uh, the state of the fans. I just, as a fan myself, and and I've, and I've seen what other fans have said. I. I don't think they'd. I don't think that they would want Klopp gone. I think you are saying almost verbatim what Dortmund fans were saying, like right before he went to Liverpool. Yeah, it would be because right now it, it, it's a seven-year curse. Exactly. Yeah. It, like, like this is his seventh year, but you know, a uh, Klopp signed the extension last year to take him until twenty twenty-four. If I'm not mistaken, weird move in hindsight, but at the time, very. Well, at the move. time, yeah, because. There was a chance for Liverpool to do an unprecedented quadruple. Was that before the? That was before the final. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was before the yeah. end of the Premier League. So they were yeah, quadruple. They were quadruple like territory at the time. They, they were quadruple yeah. bound. That, and it's then, insane to see like the image and like how we kind of like think about Liverpool then till now. It's no, like, like, don't forget a couple of months ago, Liverpool were one point away from from winning the Premier League, and if Courtois did not you know become the best goalkeeper. In the planet, that game, Liverpool like the, Liverpool had a lot of good chances, but Courtois was yeah. just on an, another level. Especially that last solo one, like that, yeah, that was a goal. Like that, and, and you know, it, don't forget Everton, the handball with Man City. If that's counted, uh, oh, I'll, here I'll, we go. I'm just saying we were very close to a quadruple, but it is a fall from yeah, grace. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, and I think even Thiago mentioned it. There's some burnout because let's be honest, you play every single game. That there was a lot of games in there, and and you know there is some some burnout from that. But Liverpool definitely need to get it together to get to top four because that's at, that's the bare minimum for this club now. But to go back to what you were saying about getting rid of Klopp, I think 
most of the fans would not want to see him gone. If anything, they'd rather have players, like uh, the majority of the players leave and have Klopp because Klopp is that good of a manager. And what he did, you know, he basically turned Liverpool fans from doubters into believers. I'm quoting what he said, but I he's what he's done to this club is cannot be, you know, understated. I think that it'd be really hard to pin what's happening this season to Liverpool on Klopp specifically. Yeah. It's also I, on the owners as well. The owners, injuries, unfortunate bounces that happen your way. I think maybe the physio staff needs to take a look at because it seems like an every other season thing with Jeez, Liverpool. They are defended. always injured. And, and, and right I, think, now, I think they're, they're, they're second to a, Dortmund um, in most injuries. And don't forget, they're also without a... Um, I forget the name of the role, but like a, uh, a transfer guy. Like it, it used to be... Um, um, I'm blanking on his name, but but the one who was with Klopp from the start. Oh, I I'm, I know who you I know who you're talking yeah, about. His uh, right hand man, essentially. Yeah, uh, yes. something Edwards, and then, I don't know and his then name. Julian Ward, but, but Julian Ward left, so so now the they're without a transfer director. Yeah. I, I think that's a title. But the point is, you know, uh, and and I think they were even without a uh, a chief head of um of uh, a physiology or something like that. You guys need to give I, them a pass. They all have asthma. You need to give them a pass. I think <laughs> once Luis Diaz comes back to Liverpool at full yes. health. Top four is a real possibility. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think I, he should come back for the second leg. Difference maker. It, it, what he what he did to that attack last year when he came, and, and as a Colombian myself, I, I love the fact that you know Liverpool have a Colombian. Uh, you know he, I mean he he was he was a great player. Uh, so hopefully he can uh, he can get his uh, his uh, injury under control. All right. Well, we gotta jump through the rest of these Champions League matches because there are yep, other teams that exist except for yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad we spent that much time on it because there was a lot of juicy detail in there. Exactly, that was yeah. very dense, and I'm glad we talked through it. Let's move on to the kings of Italy right now. It's Napoli two nil over Eintracht Frankfurt, albeit a ten man Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, just real quick thoughts on the game. Napoli are a class side. They're for real. They're legit. Victor Osimhen is a world-class striker. And, and I know that's uh, not shocking at this point mm-hmm. to say, but I feel like on this podcast we don't give enough credit to teams outside of England, true, yeah. especially teams not called Real Madrid, Barcelona, or Bayern Munich, yeah. or PSG. Mm-hmm. And Napoli are talking themselves into that conversation. Important to know that in that game, the player who got that red card is Colo Muani, probably on track Frankfurt's best goal-scoring threat for I the second that. leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> Napoli, they were also away. Could really cruise. That was a stable victory. Leg. Yeah, that's I mean, a big deal. And Eintracht Frankfurt, a solid team. They've been really good in Europe now, past couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, what Napoli has done this year is nothing short of incredible. I mean, if you take a look at the amount of players that they lost over the summer, you know, they lost uh, uh to Chelsea. Um, I forget who moved to the MLS, but they've lost a lot of key players, and they have hit the ground running. I mean, they're what sixteen points ahead in yeah. Syria. Like, it's theirs for the taking. It was Insigne, by the way. Thank you. Um, you know they were they're clear in Syria, uh, and with a two nothing advantage going into their home second leg, I mean you know driver's seat. Yeah, they are in pull position. And after the point uh, ban, no problem with Juventus. Either. Oh yeah, <laughs> which Juventus, Juventus was getting close. Though. They were getting close. They, they were point. getting a little yeah. bit close, but yeah. yeah, like even even if they get those fifteen points back, it's still like okay, we're still way like it is so far ahead. Like you know, it, it, this reminds me of uh of the nineteen twenty season with Liverpool when they. You know, okay, it reminds I, you? Yeah, well, if, if, if you remember, there was a big gap between if I remember? And, and City. Yeah. The only thing that was going to prevent Liverpool days. from the winning the league days. that year was COVID-19. The only thing Didn't that would us. the only thing that would prevent Napoli from winning the league this year 
is if Inter Milan wins every game and Napoli have a, loses have a, every yeah, game. Exactly. So COVID nineteen. Yeah, it could, it could be COVID nineteen. No, no well, it would, be, it would be COVID twenty three. Um, COVID twenty three. I'm I'm glad we brought up Napoli. They really excite me. I don't really know if anybody has that much of a better chance than them to go all the way to the European final. To be completely honest with they, you, they on form. I, yeah, I agree, and I I, I think agree. I think we're gonna start seeing a trend here in the ne- in the next couple of years in this European Cup and Champions League and everything of uh, Italian Serie A teams really kind of jumping in and staying with variety, staying competitive yep. with those teams. I think it's a, teams I think it's like a great Inter, call. teams like AC, mm-hmm. teams like Juventus. Juventus is gonna sneak up on people next year. Shout heavy. out to Juve, by the way. I I know we're gonna get to the Europa League later, but I have to mention that first Di Maria goal. Oh yeah, yeah. oh great, yeah. tasty, just yeah. so tasty. I saw that. I was like, wow, that is a great goal but yeah but just the amount of talent that's in Syria and it really feels like the spirit of the Syria is kind of being pumped back in that early 2000s mm-hmm. kind of mid 2000s where like AC Milan was basically just running Europe and mm-hmm. it really feels that way and uh, it just has me excited as a very proud Italian oh well there you go there oh, you go yeah. I'm a proud Italian too so look at that I'm not well my as my grandfather is a massive Napoli fan I'm oh, just I'm go. very stoked to see this result I'm very stoked to see them uh, cruising through Serie A and also another point of mention they're going to have a great path to the final potentially because of all the heavyweights that are going to knock each other out in this round. Yeah. Chelsea Dortmund, one of them's going down. Liverpool Real, one of them's going down. I think City Leipzig, Inter Porto. Inter 1 0 over a 10 men Porto. They're vulnerable in the second leg. That's going to be in Portugal. And it's a way. Uh, yeah, Tottenham yeah, yeah. Milan, the, mm-hmm. uh, Bayern PSG. W- one Big thing teams to know are going when down you said. Here. This was the first time in a while that not uh, that no out of the four English teams, none of them won their first leg, but all of the Italian teams did. Wow! Just, just a bit of a shout out to to go on what you said about you know the Italian team on the uh, ma- making a good run into the Champions League. All three of them won their legs, while the English teams. They didn't win. Three of them lost, Chelsea and one of them drew. drew. If it wasn't for Kareem Adeyemi, who's like one of my favorite players in the in the world, He's one of awesome. the best young yeah. players. Awesome. To, very exciting. Let's talk about Inter, though, if we're on the subject of Italy. 1-0 win over Porto. Late goal from Lukaku, mm-hmm. who has struggled to get back into his Inter form and seems like this is a step in the right direction in a Champions League setting in a big moment. That's a big goal. Chris, I'll go to you first on this one. That late red card to Otavio really really sold the match. It was a second yellow, and uh, it was a clutch moment from Inter, but they had the, the entirety of the ball in the last... 15 or so minutes mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think this is up for grabs in the second leg though yeah i, I really think inter milan's another really interesting one coming out of that league because they had that was so special that ran the run they went on two years ago with lukaku that was such a special run and i feel like the essence of that run hasn't really left this side ever since and that the, that essence comes from a lot of goals a lot of scoring just a lot of threat offensively just in, in general, um, really pushing out outside with strength, not speed, with a guy like Dumfries and just like other guys that they've had playing in those left back and right back roles. Just really winning with strength and not really with speed, which is what most of the rest of the world is, tries to do. Um, so that makes Inter Milan unique and makes them like a fun team to watch and an exciting team. And really what the Champions League is made for teams like this that are super exciting, that are having really great league campaigns and league dogfights to try and win. And they all meet up together in the greatest competition in the world. And it's awesome. Michael? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I I wasn't watching that one. Well, I was watching it, but I had two different screens because that was at that the was same the time. simultaneous as... with City. Yeah, so I, I had City on the big screen and Inter uh, uh, kind of on my phone, so I wasn't really watching it that much. But, you know, um, 
a win is a win. You know, when you get that one, uh, uh, you know, because Lukaku scored in what the eighty-six minute, right? Yeah. So you know, it was a huge goal for him. Hopefully, it gives him the confidence because you know he he really is a world-class striker. Before he went to Chelsea, he, he really was he, he 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 was turning the second it up. time. That's his, <laughs> yeah. but that's his home. Like uh, turn, that, yeah. it's his home. Like uh, he's a world-class player, and I don't hold really any of the Chelsea stuff against him because it's his home. Like yeah. I, I I can't really debate with, with him on that. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, you know, uh, a huge win for them. And um, obviously, you know, it, it was, it you know, unfortunate for them that leg was at home. Like, uh, obviously, when you have that second leg at home, it's such a huge advantage. That's mm-hmm. why it, it's a prize um, to win the group. But, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting. That that one could go either way. I just, I, I do think Inter just has a bit too much for Porto. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that should be a very interesting second leg. I, I'm glad you brought up the way that Inter plays is fun for the Champions League because they have such a chaotic style despite like playing with they play with five defenders they play with with a back five but their central midfield is also attacking it's Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barela and Barela sits the deepest of the three kind of like a regista but he's not a six he's a, he's a box-to-box midfielder mm-hmm. they get it and they go they're a fun team they've been exposed here and there in Serie A they've had a lot of success in Serie A they're firmly in second place I think um, yeah, I have a well, question. I have a question for yes. you. How long do you think it's going to be before Bereja like becomes a number eight at one of the best teams in the world? I think I think he's I think he's a step away from already being there. You I think, think so. he's a step away from like a Real Madrid type move. Right. I think I think I think Inter is a good level for him because I I don't see Inter as being that big of a drop off from yeah. a team like that yet. What about uh, what about the Prem? I think the Prem physicality could be an issue. He's not a, not not that he's like a soft player or anything. But he's like crazy. That. He's crazy. That's good. what I yeah, mean. Yeah. No, just like he's out of his mind. Yeah, like, he's, like, just, he's, he's insane. He's got the fire for it. Exactly. I think like that can always also be a bad match because yeah. you could if you light like a fuse in the Premier yeah. League, it could be a problem. You see, Weston McKenney came in hot to Leeds United, and now people are like, you got to calm down. And buddy. the Liga really about that. And, yeah, <laughs> you see, he's just going after people in the yeah. first couple games. And, yeah. and the Liga really emphasizes the the style and the beauty of the game, and that's really that, that's where he totally flies. Kind of having the beauty in the chaos. That's really where he flourishes. It, and it's not like there isn't beauty and chaos in the Italian team. Yeah, there's, there's tons of that. It's, it's mostly the league. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, to, last but not least, there's one more to game. wrap it up with another Premier League team before we get into uh, Europa League. We're really only going to talk about one Europa League match, and you already know what it is if you're listening to this. But Man City, Erby Leipzig, 1-1. Yeah. Who saw that coming? I don't think any. I mean, if you ask the Leipzig fans, they probably would have seen that coming, or, or they would have been happy with that. But as City is one of the favorites to win the competition – when you see, you know, I mean, that's a game that you should be winning. I mean, yeah, you didn't include several key players in the squad. Uh, De Bruyne didn't go. But, you know, the, the the fact that you should have won that easily. Like, when you are one of the, you know, Man City, like I said, is is one of the high uh, teams that are expected to make a deep run and to even potentially win it. And when you go 1-1 against RB Leipzig, which is a very, you know, a very good team. It's a strong team. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, you know, I, I I think City just honestly don't know what, what happened with them, but fair play to, uh, to Leipzig to get that uh, uh to get that equalizer and to and to make it a spicier leg, I guess. I watched like I watched this live extremely closely. City's insane. They're insane. Like Kyle Walker is just straight up playing right wing. Yeah, yeah. and they like played, they played like a like a almost a front four. It looked like yeah. At times. And Mars is like playing right back, and it's like well, first of all, if FIFA actually paid attention to like the actual games like that happened in real life, they would make out of position cards for that. But 
I they made an interesting point. I was watching Cal Freezy's podcast the other day, and it was before this game, and he was talking about how, or someone on the pod was talking about how they're in a transitional period here, and it kind of comes to the point where like Holland is so good that if you neutralize him, it all just kind of dominoes behind him, and they're they're just extremely neutralizable just with that one guy just yeah. getting rid of him. They're a lot less dangerous than they were. I want to give some credit to Grealish. He's been. He's Grealish is in like the form of his career right now. He's playing absolutely fantastic ball. Um, but obviously, and another thing, it's like, why is Foden not playing? Like, what is up with that? Why is Foden not starting? Actually, I did not. And and one other thing, he City didn't, fans he didn't and make English a fans. sub. Like, don't what? forget, he didn't. Pep didn't make a single sub. But but one thing I want to I want to uh, go uh, on Leipzig was once they brought in Nkuku, it was a whole like you know at Different least game. yeah it it was incredible like the the Where's way he playing that next year again I forget. Chelsea. Oh, oh actually, right. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, more money. Just finally to... got our number nine. <laughs> yeah. Have fun with maybe. that. Maybe. Um, no. It was I, about I mean, like, time, though. Let's <laughs> maybe. Let's not. Let's not say anything yet. Right, don't count your chickens. Uh, I mean, like yeah. you know, obviously, when he was brought on, I mean, and let's be clear, RB Leipzig had another great chance. I, I forget who who missed it, but it ju- it went just wide left of the post. I forget who shot. Was it, it. Yusuf Palson? Because it was late, right? He came on as a sub. It it, it was in the second half, okay. it, but but like. RB Leipzig could have could have easily taken the lead. Like there was another long shot that Ederson make a, made a great save on off of a corner. So you know it, it showed that you know RB Leipzig isn't here to just make up the numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean this should be a very entertaining second leg uh, at the empty head. So, but but that's in what three weeks? So plenty of time for. I mean, yeah, it's plenty of time. I'll I got to give uh, a lot of credit to Leipzig for starting the match with four natural center backs across the back. I don't know if you noticed that, but Klosterman, Willy Orban, Vardiol, who is the goal scorer, and mm-hmm. Halstenberg. That's yeah, four that's natural insane. center also, backs. That was a great goal off a corner. Oh, R- yes. Ruben Diaz had no chance. And I think Vardiol, we after the World Cup, earned a lot of praise. Yeah, genuinely a world class center back. There's no denying that. But then the decision to bring on uh, David Raum as a sub to uh, in the second half, that really did help uh, Leipzig attack, I thought, because they wore down uh, City a little bit. City had a lot of numbers pumping forward. They were caught behind their wingers. Walker, Grealish, who deserves a lot of credit. Grealish has been a scapegoat, hasn't lived up to the 100 um, million. million pound uh, yeah. transfer fee, but who can live up to that? It's never been fair to him as mm-hmm. a person. Um, ended up getting exposed a little bit when the fullbacks came off for the fresh legs. Not to say that that was a fault of City, the players. It was just the shape got exposed for what it was. And I think for Leipzig to go down in the first half and to come back in the second half the way they did, shutting down Erling Holland against the City team, albeit at home, that's a massive achievement. That says a lot about not only their character, their willing, their ability to adjust. And I think moving forward, if they didn't have to play a second leg against City, then I would be very bullish about this team's uh, chances in a, in, a, in a quarterfinal. But because they're playing City, I think it's going to be uh, just a, ho- a Holland winner. Like, in the yeah, actually, actually, a happy moment. Look back on it and yeah. say this was a moment of growth, but ultimately they fell. I mean, the, the, there, was, there is one thing I want to ask Chris because cause he mentioned this earlier. You know, one, once they were able to neutralize Holland, it changed the game. But do you think Holland overall has been good for City in the sense of obviously he brings in those... Lo- no, no, no. It, like, it, I, I think you know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going with you, this. You, you know where I'm going with this. Because you're not the first person to ask I, I know, someone this. I know, I know. Because he, let's be like, he is the gold, you know, he, he's the golden boot leader. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't do his job, but I feel like it's made City more obvious what the plan is. Like, obviously, b- before Holland, you had Aguero, you know, you, you know, City could City could kill you anyway. But now it's kind of like, oh, just give the ball to Holland and let him shoot it. Do you feel like that's made them a bit more easier to defend against? It's been... I really... Saying Holland has been anything except... No, except, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, he's... Like, what he has done... 
in the Prem in his first season is supernatural. I mean, it's insane what no, he's no, done. No, 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 no. It's like impossible. Like I don't think. Yeah. Like I don't think you understand. Like that. Perf- like that couple months stretch in the PL. Like he could not score another goal for three years, and I'd be like, that guy is incredible. He's got exactly. thirty-two goals. I don't care. All in competitions all, yeah. in thirty-one matches. That like, is insane. He's on. Like that's like that's like and, the messy. And we called Germany the Farmers League. I mean, at this point, he's <laughs> he, he's having fun wherever. Every league's a Farmers is League it, compared is to it this cra- guy. Is it crazy to say he breaks that messy? Year calendar goal record. I mean, right? It could happen. I, mean, I think really the challenge for yeah, him was: be, can he get happen. enough matches in, exactly. in the calendar year? Because yeah, then, if he does, I think Barca easy. plays eight hundred. Yeah, they play so many games. Yeah. Oh my god, those are the yeah. league of teams. But that's another thing. Like Holland, I don't think it's a. He had a break during the World Cup. Like he's a little rusty right now. Mm-hmm. Like he was just sitting. Like they were all playing in the most competitive tournament in the world, and he was just at the Man City training ground, just like MLS. cooling with Pep. Like, and he was just cooling with Pep, and he was just like. Like that's not like that has to be accounted for in why his performance is the way it is right now, and just ignoring it is insane. Yeah. Well, I think that was a really good talk, for the most part. I love how much time we spent on Liverpool and City because now that takes off some pressure from when we talk Prem later, so it frees up more time ah, yes. for this other league that we're going to talk about. But first, the Europa League. The Europa League uh, had a lot of exciting matches. I don't know if you guys caught any of them besides United I caught, Barca. I caught, Did you catch the penalty shootouts? I caught the, yeah, that one was um, Rennes against Shakhtar Donetsk. Rene and Shakhtar, yeah. and then Leverkusen and Monaco both went to penalties, and then I had the Golasso show, and one ended, and then the next one immediately started. Perfect it was timing. perfect timing. Um, I have to I have to say, though, that was uh, the pretty underwhelming shootouts for what they were. Yeah. With, that, with that said, they did both go to the end, just not great penalties. Nonetheless, we're the here to talk, we're here to talk about United-Barca. Mm-hmm. Um that was a pretty typical United European win in that the backs their backs were against the wall. They got a timely, timely goal and then cruised off the momentum of that. Got probably a, a goal that I would say was a nice goal, but like a gritty, a grittier goal from Anthony that maybe Barca fans were very upset about. I don't know. I had a lot of. Uh, I'm a United fan, just to clear the room. You are. Air. I had no idea. Chris did not have. I an did idea. not. Know I thought that. I told you that. Well, anyway, the point is, I got a lot of texts about United and Bruno Fernandez specifically also, being very, very soft, mm-hmm. and I could not defend them because I agreed they clawed their way to this win. Um, I wouldn't say it's a robbery like some are saying, but that's a that's Barca fans yeah. for you. I'll tell you what, United haven't gotten this win. Barca, they're not the Barca of old. They're still they're still Clearly. they're still eight points clear in La Liga. Yeah, and. This is a massive, massive win for United. Not because I think the Europa League's a trophy they should aspire to win that greatly, but now that they've gotten the big giants out of their way, it should be trophy or bust in this competition. And yeah. because they were able to withstand that team, and I think they looked like a better offensive team than they have in a long time. They not only outshot Barca, doubled them in shots, and were managed to get five on frame. The two goals, while I know people have... I'm not even going to say who it is because you know who you are if you're listening to this. I'm very, I'm very. I, I'll talk about this after the show. Okay, okay. But I think it's a legitimate win for United two-one. I think they were the deserving play- mm-hmm. team to go through. Barca probably got really unlucky with this draw this early in the competition. But like, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, before I, I go off that, I have to say massive credit to Eric Ten Hag. What he oh, has yeah. done to United since he took over has been incredible. I mean, I don't think that many people would have predicted this level of optimism in the season. I mean, you guys are technically 
I mean, albeit a bit far out of a title race in, in the Prem. It's uh, a bit uh, far out. It's a bit far out, but but the fact that there are mentions. I don't of think this, it's. I think you, it, okay, it's no, a no, three-person race. No, but no, but like they're, they're, What I mean by a title race, it's not like neck they're and there. Like they're there. Like they're, they're a bit far out. They are I don't a bit wanna, far out. Yeah, it's like like it's. It, it's like if you compare uh, last year, City and Liverpool were here, and then and then third place was here. To make exactly. a to make a Premier League title race reference to cars, it's like Chick Hicks and Lightning McQueen, and then you know, you guys remember cars? That's a yeah. lot. Of course, yeah. I remember and cars King too. Comes better in at the yeah. end because Chick Hicks and Lightning McQueen yeah. take each other out. Yeah. So that's what United would need. They would need Arsenal and City to rough each other up a little bit so they can cruise in. Uh, I mean, at the end. right now they are five points behind Arsenal. So like that five points that I know that sounds achievable, but yeah. actually, City fun is fun fact. Well, yeah. If if the Premier League had started on match day three instead of match day one. United are leading because because uh, but it doesn't start. I I know but I'm just saying like like That's the crazy fact that to say. I I know but I'm just saying like you, you take know, away those first six points that they didn't get. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you do that, Liverpool are also higher up because we drew those games. Uh, but no, honestly, uh, the point is what he has done with that team has been sensational. I mean, wh- what Rashford has been doing since the World Cup break, I mean, he is I think one of the. Uh, on form, he he's he's on fire. Can I can I just say that I think Ten Hag needs to Mourinho this right now and just give him the nine. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I Put like him that at the call. nine. And I I just want to see I just want to see an attack, a Man United attack at Old Trafford in the Theater of Dreams. I don't think you want to see that though. Aren't Some, you a Chelsea? I want I want to okay, hear what on. you say here because I might have an okay. out a far out okay. idea to complement it. Okay, so yeah, Theater of Dreams. So they're getting attacked. So they're in the attack right now. Mm-hmm. I want Sancho on one side. Rashford in the middle and Anthony on the right side. I just want to see the three of them attack together. I I just want to say one other thing that Aaron t- great. I think he handled the Sancho s- a situation great. And I like I like the willingness to experiment with Sancho. He played underneath the yes. striker. That's a really good idea for him because you know Rashford. While I think the number nine position's his, he's earned it. I don't think it's up for debate. I think Rashford can still be of use on the wing. He's of course belongs up top. But the the ability to put Sancho, I think, underneath Veghorst specifically, and it works perfectly because Veghorst is so such a good distributor of the ball. It's insane. I I would love to pull up the analytics on it because that's really where you get the best numbers for passing stats. I don't have them. How but, dare you? But Vout Veghorst, his ability to not only hold up the ball as a big guy and win in the air, but to f- collect it and pick out the pass quickly and in the in an advanced position is so good. That's why Rashford works on the wing with Veghorst. But I think it works even better if you have Vegas underneath Rashford and Sancho on the wing. Let Sancho be the guy who occupies the space. Bruno Fernandez, I think, could be of use on the wing. I don't think that's his space long term. But I really loved Weghorst as like a second striker. I don't know. Something about having a six foot seven guy underneath another player on the field is awesome to me. I don't that's where I feel I think we should talk about Barca though, real quick. We mentioned their top of La Liga. I know we don't talk a lot of La Liga on here. Is this result a concern? Because, you know, United, big team, but this is the Europa League, and Barca have now been knocked out of the Europa League. This is the first time that they haven't years. made um, the round of 16 in a European con- competition in a while. Eesh. I mean... <sighs> still first in La Liga, but there are yeah, bigger I, I, issues going I, I, on I at mean, this club. Obviously, you know, they're they're still... Trying to get out of the financial situation, you know. I, yeah, that that aside, obviously that we've aside. spoken about that for probably a long time. Xavi's still in something of a hot seat too. Yeah, I mean, gets that's ridiculous. He Actually, gets okay, criticized I, I, all the time. I don't know about I'm a not, hot seat. I'm not saying I'm putting him there, but uh, I mean, obviously it is. I don't want to say concerning. Obviously, they would have wanted to go through because you know the these are the 
you know, tests uh, to see how your teams are. But also, if you take a look at um, the injuries that they had for the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think this and should be And I think the that. refereeing was a suspect at times. Yeah. I mean, for I, both sides. Yeah. I, I think that this is obviously a disappointment for them. But in terms of, like, you know. No th- panic a, button. A, as you said, yeah, I don't think there's any need for panic. They're eight points clear in La Liga. Yep. Uh, they're in the Copa del Rey semifinals, which is a – actually, they're going up against Madrid in that, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they're going up against Madrid in a title race as well, and I yeah. think that's – that should be their biggest concern. It, it has to be, yeah, because, because this would be, you know, it, it would show that, you know, that they are on their way back to where they used to be. And very quickly, I just want to just just tap on the fact that we're talking about a Europa League fixture right now. We're talking about United and Barca. Yeah, like, can crazy? we just think, like, exactly. that is wild. It's that, that 2023, is wild, yeah. and things are weird in the world of soccer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you say Barca United uh, t- 10 years ago, I'm thinking, oh, when Barca oh. won... The Champions League final in 09 and in 11. Well, it was the matchup in 08, no? Or was that 09? 09 09, 09, 09, 09 and 2011. You gave me, come on, it it was 09. Everyone knows that. 08 was. I get confused because double year. This is why I love baseball. One year for everything. 2020 season, 2021 season. We're going to get to another league soon that does that calendar year frame. One final (laughs) thing about about the Europa League shout out to uh, Roma. They advanced and beat Salzburg. Mm -hmm. That was an impressive win, again, a comeback win against Salzburg. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know if you saw they had two goals in like four minutes. Yeah. Um, the second, uh, did Dybala do the Dybala second? had the second one. The second it was, was a, a spectacular goalie. moment of yeah. just pure ecstasy in the stadium. They captured momentum. And that Salzburg team is really, really talented too, uh, coming out of Austria. Some could call Rome. Some, some can call Rome with the special ones. The special ones, <laughs> led by the <laughs> special Mourinho, one. Yeah. I prefer to speak. Okay. Anyway, that's my line. I, was I know, say I know, that. but you Who didn't cares? say it, so I took it from you. It's time to talk about a little women's soccer. Before we get into Major League Soccer, we're going to talk about the She Believes yeah. Cup because yours truly, the United States of America, won it. That's right. Nine points, three matches, three wins, one goal conceded, five Black goals work. scored. Four of those goals. Scored by none other than Mallory Swanson. She's a baller. Alex Morgan also grabbed another one. Uh, they conceded in the 90th minute of the third game against Brazil. Otherwise, a fantastic, fantastic tournament for the United States. I think there's still concerns here and there. Specifically, Crystal Dunn, what is her role going to be? She's too good to be a left back, but she's the best left back in women's game if she's over there. I think she's very useful in central midfield. There's no slowing down Mallory Swanson, that's for sure. NWSL season coming up. This is basically just a tune-up for the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, real quick, guys, thoughts for either of you on what this means going into the World Cup and what you saw from the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, uh, uh, it, it definitely does give the team some momentum. I mean, this is the fourth consecutive She Believes trophy, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, and sixth overall. I actually knew that because I did updates on it for there you the go. game. Yeah, I I, I I made sure to throw that in into an update. So you know, uh, obviously this does give them huge momentum to go into the World Cup, uh, which is taking place in the summer. I think this is a statement from this U.S. team. I think they saw all the attention that these other countries were getting during the Euros this summer, mm-hmm. and were like, we "Need to have our fun now." I think they're using this. I think this is just going to build that momentum. The Swansons keep proving that they're the most athletic couple in the entire country. In the entire country. And I just think it, they're they're really just trying to prove a point right now, and they just want to let the rest of the right to the rest of the world know that women's soccer is an American sport, and it's going to continue to be an American sport. Uh, not not to mention, I think to have done it against quality opponents, Canada, Japan, and Brazil. Those are teams that are going to be vying for the World Cup trophy. Canada, the gold medalists at the Olympics. They're going through a big deal with the financial hardships between the pay disparities of the men's and women's national teams. Um, pay the women, uh, Canada soccer, do it. Um, yes. Japan, 
really gave him the business on Wednesday, though, 3-0, and just if you feel like it's a microcosm of everything that's going on with their federation, but Canada, sandwiched between two bad losses to the U.S. and Japan, had a really good 2-0 win over Brazil. Um, Marta Formiga also turned 37 in the midst of this tournament, uh, one of the greats in the women's game. But that's U.S. Vlatko. He's under some scrutiny at, at, at the helm, but he gets the job done against big teams, albeit on home soil, to see if they can do it in Australia and New Zealand this summer. Moving on. It's the time to preview the Major League Soccer season. That's right, folks. Woo-hoo! Tomorrow in action at 4.30 p.m., I believe it's the first game of the entire season, it's the 2021 MLS Cup champions, New York City Football Club, at Geodis Park against Nashville SC, who are rejoining the Eastern Conference after bouncing from the Eastern Conference in 2021 to the Western Conference in 2022. They're back in the East in 2023 just to make our uh, table predictions that much harder. Chris, you're going to be... Beat reporting for New York City Football Club this year. What I'll should dabble. we look for? Yeah, I'm going to dabble a little bit. I really, th- this culture, I could really just see the brand of MLS growing and you really just see just from the influence it's having overseas and just kind of how it's all branching together. It really feels like the game's as united as it's really ever been from you know us all the way over there. And it's a really good position. I, we were talking earlier before this about how Alex Lalas, who is like maybe the worst soccer pundit of all time, <laughs> but like he had a really good point when he was talking about the, um, the miscellaneousness of the league and how kind of bizarre it is and how last place to first place is a genuine possibility, how competitive the league is, um, the diversity, just like agriculturally, you know, how with these Austin team, Nashville teams, these teams keep getting added, you know, I still think a relegation system would be fun. would be awesome. Um, would be. But, but nonetheless, I think it's a, years away. another season uh, of, you know, growing, and every MLS season is better than the last, and if they can continue that, then uh, sky's really the limit for this league. Some praise for the MLS, Michael? Yeah, sure. And I, I called it the MLS just so you would no, because it should be just called MLS. Yeah, it's MLS. Well, you say you say the MLS on the air, and I don't try to give you a hard do time. Do I? For it. You do sometimes. Uh, it, it must be a slip of the tongue then. It's okay. It's a bit uh, condescending. But, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so Sorry. obviously the MLS season starts tomorrow. Well, the is modifying season there, but go ahead. <laughs> um, modifying. <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, it, it should be a good one. Obviously, uh, they have the brand new rights with Apple, so now it's what ten years for ten years for I believe it's like three hundred. So it's it's a lot. It's in the billions, a billion dollar. Yeah, it has deal. to be yeah. the billions. So obviously, you know, it, it, I forget the number. Uh, I'm as much as I uh, love the MLS. Um, you know, it, it, it's gonna be very interesting uh, to see how this season goes out. Obviously, I, I I am happy to see that it's growing in in the U.S. Um, you know, the fact that it was it, it was able to command such a high price point for Apple uh, to stream them all. You know, it, it definitely shows that it's definitely on the up. Obviously. Um, they actually just um, reinstated the League's Cup. So, obviously, you know, m- more competitions. And uh, hopefully, you know, more and more people will start to watch MLS. One more thing. MLS game is maybe the most underrated summer activity. Like, just Ooh. going to Red Bull Arena. Like, because Red Bull hold Arena. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're an NYCFC fan. The correct yeah, because I'm gonna drive Stadium. to the Bronx. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm, Stadium, come on. Like I'm going to I'm going to Red Bull Arena, especially because especially in Jersey, especially because it's they have all the summer games there, so they do have big teams like going there. But that arena is so perfect for like what it is, and I feel like that's a really underrated activity. And I feel like especially with the depletion of the popularity of baseball, that MLS can almost profit on that. And I think it's an underrated factor in their popularity that people don't really talk about. Kind of how they kind of correlate together due to 
to how they're in the same season. But I think it's really on the up and up, and I think the popularity of the sport just keeps growing, just due to honestly the popularity of the World Cup. Yep, Every yeah. single World Cup, the popularity in this in this country goes up another notch, and it really this MLS can really sustain that mm-hmm. and maybe add to that. It'll be really valuable for the sport here and really everywhere. Uh, and also, don't forget the Copa America, the 2024 Copa America is going to be held in the U.S. Right, and. and and as we all know, the 2026 World Cup is also going to be he- held in the U.S. So things are definitely looking up for soccer in the U.S., and hopefully that also reflects on the MLS. I think the Apple TV deal was timed very, very accordingly ahead of those things because there's a, there's a, there's an argument out there that the Apple TV deal, and we'll get into the games in a second after this, um, was maybe going to inhibit new fans from coming to the league to put all the matches behind a paywall as opposed to being on Fox, ESPN, ABC, whatever. Um, I think that interest for soccer is only going to grow. And I think that with that, interest for MLS is going to come. Obviously, we've seen that there's a bit of stagnation where MLS is the third most watched league in its own country behind the Premier League and League MX. So it's got a, it's got other soccer leagues to compete with too. It's not just MLB and the NFL. It's the rest of the world. It's a really pe- good point. Because people still don't love American soccer. Pe- even yeah. in America, if soccer is popular, you ask, very, you ask kids, you're, you're a soccer fan. They're not saying, like, yeah, I, I, I love the Red Bulls. Yeah, no, I love the Red Bulls. Like, I, I love the Premier They're League. saying, I'm a big Chelsea fan. That's what you hear. Oh, and also, there's, actually, and there's uh, nothing against uh, that. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that Premier uh, League fans shouldn't be Premier mm-hmm. League fans. But go. Yeah, but uh, obviously, I, I do want to say, you know, obviously, as we've been talking about, soccer is growing. And I feel like that has been shown as, as in the Premier League. You know, the, like the fact that. Um, you know, and NBC now have the rights. I, actually, I don't know how long they've it's, had the rights. It's Peacock has it. I well, guess, yeah, yeah, technically. But, Peacock, but, but, but honestly, like the point is that, like, the fact that the Premier League is growing. Obviously, you know, people may want to watch the Premier League uh, compared to MLS. But I feel like since so many people are becoming fans of soccer through that, hopefully, uh, you know, it will help out the MLS. I, I do have a problem with the MLS, but we're going to get to that. In a couple we'll of minutes. I think the only thing that this highlights is really how good the Premier League is at marketing over here. Like it's yeah. unreal. Like it's, yeah. it's really. And the fact that we have Peter Drury as well on commentary. That's it's Whoa. just a, it's just a treat. Yeah, it's fant- uh, oh my god, uh, such uh, such if, poise, if, such if, noise. If Gino oh was god. here, he was going to do the Madrid thing. Like, yeah. Uh, 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 I'm not sure if you remember, but when Ronaldo came back the second time, he like the whole uh, Madrid, uh, Turin, Manchester. That, that spiel. Yeah, yeah, that All spiel. Right. Well, but he's not here because you know he he decided not to come. It's he did not decide. No, he I'm would, kidding. I'm forces not, beyond know, Gino's know, control know, prevented him from being here. We miss yeah. you, Gino. Um, with that said, before we get into the criticisms that we have at MLS that you want to talk about, um, let's preview both New York matches and just a general overall uh, of the season. Who should we look for? I think real quick Eastern Conference. The class of the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia Union. They were probably the best team throughout the entire Major League Soccer season last year. And if uh, MLS weird rules were less weird, then they probably would have been the Supporter Shield champions because they were level on points with LAFC at 67, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the tiebreaker is goals scored and not goal differential, or and matches won and not goal differential. So LAFC got the Supporter Shield. If this was in Europe, Philadelphia would have gotten the Supporter Shield. Also, if this was in Europe, the Supporter Shield winner is the winner of the league. However, MLS Cup playoffs exist, LAFC 4-3 against the Philadelphia Union in the penalty shootout. Gareth that Bale. game was crazy, as mm-hmm. we all remember, um, with the stoppage time goals and, and extra time. LAFC are going to come back. They're going to be the kings of the West. Uh, you can't expect anything different. They're going to have CCL to play through, but you look at their roster. They it, they lost Gareth Bale, and they lost Chicho Arango up front, but they really got stronger in defense, bringing in Aaron Long to bolster. Murillo, Hollingshead, Chiellini, 
Palacios, who else? The midfield, Cifuentes, Acosta, Elias Sanchez, they're incredible, and they should still be deep up top. So I expect a little bit of the same at the top, Philly and L.A. to run the East and West, respectively. But let's talk about New York City Football Club. Nashville and New York City tomorrow, 4.30. You guys are both technically New York City FC uh, reporters. Yes, actually, yeah. So I'd love to get both of your opinions. Ask him first. All right, Chris, you can go first. <laughs> um, well, first of all, the game is awesome because it's just like th- those Nashville fans and that entire organization is just so awesome. Great, beautiful new stadium, too. Yeah, like I remember when, were they originally, or that's Cincinnati, too. Cincinnati was the orange. They were ex- mm-hmm. expansion in the in the U.S. And, and USL. USL. And like I remember both of those fan bases just having such great, just, just being so amazing and so supportive. So, so it's really awesome to see them playing NYCFC now and just seeing the league grow in general <laughs> um, but more specifically for NYCFC in this season kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier you know that championship hangover it was it was there but it wasn't it was kind of it was kind of a mixed bag the whole year obviously the Philadelphia Union dominate and uh, they were one of three disappointments that happened in that city in like three months but you yeah. know <laughs> you know I, 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 I won't Lay. continue I won't continue but also, Kevin Durant was a part of the team. So, yeah, all right. Anyway, um, Philadelphia Union, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is the Philadelphia Union's year. I think that they really. I think that this is going to be the year they make the jump finally win it all. I feel like it's they're kind of been on the cusp, and they really they've been talented for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for NYCFC as a reporter, as you prefaced us, um, I'm looking back. I'm looking for another comeback year. I think they stay competitive. I think they give Philadelphia maybe even a little trouble in that Eastern Conference. Michael, if you want. He took the words right out of my mouth. Well, oh, no, I'm kidding. Word for word. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, you know, NYC, uh, NYCFC, sorry. Um, one huge loss for them is, of course, the goalkeeper uh, who, who left. Detroit. One of many losses. Yeah, yeah uh, who, who made the trip up north to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, he, he was their captain. So it's going to be um, interesting to see how they adapt without him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking forward, f- uh, sorry, forward to tomorrow's match. Well, real quick, just to preview... NYC season. You mentioned Sean Johnson is a big loss. He's not the only loss that they experienced in this offseason. I would like some credit for that. Yeah, I gave you credit, as you mentioned. That was me giving you credit. Thanks. Maxi Morales, who's probably the best player in club history, barring David Villa, at at least as an outfield player, he's gone. That is a massive loss. Probably the most underrated attacking midfielder over the last five, six years in Major League Soccer. Anton Tinnerholm, that's that's a fran- that's a that's a really really great fullback that they lose there. Um, they're going to need Keaton Parks to step up big time in the midfield. Not to mention Alexander Cayens also leaves the back line to Hirona, joins Tati Castellanos there, who by the way they lost last year midseason mm-hmm. on a loan. So there's a chance he comes back. Think that's a slim chance. Yeah. Santiago Rodriguez might be coming back from his loan. It looks like that's going to happen. And they also might be uh, bringing in Richie Ledesma, the former U.S. Youth International, to play attacking mid. Would have big shoes to fill for Morales, but would be a good move. I have a question. So as a guy who's just really in on the MLS, I have one. Who's your MLS GOAT? My MLS GOAT? Landon Donovan. I just, okay. just, just because to me that's the name that I associate the league with the most. The MVP trophy is named after him. That okay. was, that was who I would say my MLS. Goal. Mine's Giovinco. I'm probably Giovinco. a little bit okay. of a homer, but he was so good for. Like I a think large that's stretch. a really good pick, especially if if you're talking about someone who's only gotten into the league recently, as most fans yeah. of the league have. Giovinco was a guy who was going around the world with his highlight videos yeah. while he was in MLS, scored the most free kick goals in one season yeah. across any league in the world. While and with here. Altidore, too. They were a crazy, that, that was a crazy duo. That was a great, that 2015 through 2017 
Toronto FC side was special yeah, uh, yeah. with 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 Bradley Altidore Javinko. Michael twiddling his thumbs. Poor kid has to listen to the MLS talk. Well, guess what? Because we're going to do the Red Bulls next. The Red Bulls play Orlando City tomorrow in Orlando at Exploria Stadium. Two teams that I think won the offseason. I think Orlando City and the New York Red Bulls had two of the best offseasons in Major League Soccer. Um, I'll, I can I can take up the bulk of this one if you don't mind, guys. Cause Go for it. As the Red Bulls beat reporter here. Um, I think it's a big season. Uh, just do it for Go. wake me up when you're done. I will wake you up. I'll wake you up. I'm dialed in. And, and then you're going to look at the Shield standings in, in October, and you're going to see mm-hmm. who's in first. Anyway, I think this is a big season coming up for the New York Red Bulls, not only because they defied expectations to get a home playoff game last year, but because they brought in Dante Van Zier, DP striker, has a profile like Bradley Wright Phillips, is expected to score loads of goals. A good striker has eluded this Red Bulls team since 2018. This is the answer, it seems like. And their high-press style of soccer, the Red Bull energy drink soccer that everyone knows and some people love and some people hate, only works if you have a high-scoring striker. And Dante Van Zier brings that to the table. I still think they're going to get great contributions from guys like Luquinhas and Lewis Morgan, who had 15 goals last year. Elias Manuel partnered... Oh, the Red Bull Racing, thank you. Elias Manuel partnered next to Van Zier, I think has a really good chance of being an excellent striker tandem, and I think Manuel can punk in a lot of goals of his own. The back line is where things get maybe a little bit hairier. You lose Aaron Long, you lose your captain. Sean Neal is going to have to step up as a leader. I think he's poised to do so. Andres Reyes is going to be the center back next to him. Good enough to be one of the top defenders in the league, but discipline is an issue, and more importantly, fitness is an issue. He has not spent a full season healthy in a long time, the young center back that he is, um, so that's concerning. But I think they're strongest in central midfield. They're so deep from Frankie Amaya, Daniel Edelman, Drew Yearwood, Christian Caceres, who's probably got one last season left in him in the Major League Soccer before he makes the jump abroad. And now they bring in Peter Stroud from Duke University, homegrown signing, probably widely considered the best player in college soccer. That's a big, 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 big help to an already really deep midfield pool. Say that name one more time. Peter Stroud. Okay, because I, 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 I had a double take because there's a kid who went to Duke who's in the Red Bull Academy, went to my high school, and he transferred into the Red Bull Academy from Duke, and you had me tripped up for a second. Continue. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry to throw you off. You're fantastic. I'm dialed No, in. no, this is, this is great. I, I love that. Jump in with more, please. <laughs> anyway, opposite them, they're going to have to have Orlando City, who just missed out on the playoffs last year by about a point to uh, Columbus. We're going to talk about the playoff format in just a second, Michael. I know you're itching to bloviate about all that. With that said, though, Orlando is a tough side. They brought they bring in more wingers, Ivan Angulo uh, and oh, Martino Heda to play in the middle, and they already have Facundo Torres, Eric Ancara, Mauricio Pereira, Cesar Araujo. You look at their back line, though, I think there's vulnerability there. Robin Janssen and Antonio Carlos both experienced injuries last season. They're both into their 30s now, probably collectively one of the strongest center back pairings in the league. But if you take that away from them, you take their legs are coming away from them a bit. I think they're vulnerable to getting behind. I think the Red Bulls have a good chance of winning this game. They were six wins out of six in preseason. One goal conceded. I think they're going to come out of the gates flying. I think New York City similarly have something to prove now that all these players are gone. Going to be a lot of opportunities shelled out. Matt Freeze finally gets a chance to be a starting goalkeeper at age 24 coming in from Philly. I think it's a transitional year for both teams in the New York area. I think the Red Bulls have to prove that they're among the best in the East. And New York City have to prove that despite all these losses, they still belong in that conversation as well. With that said, it's time to talk uh, about... I actually want to ask you one thing. So yes. as our resident uh, New York Red Bulls fan, what is your take on the uh, on the fact that as of right now, 
according to 538, you have a 2% chance. Do you feel like that's too low, too high? I mean, percentage chances of a league with too 29 high. teams to win the <laughs> ultimate know. trophy. Too I'm high. Not, well, uh, according, to N- according to this... He thinks it's too high, thing, 2%. NYCFC's at 10. NYCFC is that's, at 10%. That's ridiculous. What are you even... Are you on ESPN? No, 538 looked at where the teams finished in, in MLS Cup playoffs last oh, year okay. and said... Let me guess. They have LA and Philly in first. Who? Uh, that is the on. right answer. One moment. And then after that, they have uh, NYC ch- ch- and Austin. There. Hold on, hold on. And then Cincinnati. LAFC's at 16. Then Philly. Uh, Got to scroll all the way down. Hold on. I feel like he's correct. Red Bulls, Orlando. Philly is at 13. Philly should probably be higher than LA. I think they're a deeper team. And we're better for most of last Wait, year. I, and most of MLS yeah, so, Cup so, final. Hold on, hold on. So as yeah. of right now... Uh, LAFC is first with 16, Philadelphia Union at 13, NYCFC third at 10, See, Atlanta. No, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Atlanta at 7%, Austin okay, FC at what? 5, LA Galaxy at 5, Seattle at 4, FC Cincinnati at 4, FC Dallas at 4, Orlando at 3, Toronto at 3. Uh, Did I miss you saying the Red Bulls or they just haven't been no, said No, they yet? haven't been said oh, yet. Uh, they right. snuck Atlanta in so, like we wouldn't so, notice. So, so Orlando was three, Toronto was three. That would be, that three. was personal for you. Montreal is three. That was Kansas bold. City's three, Nashville's two, Red Bulls are two, Columbus are two, San Jose's two. Anybody won? How is, okay, yes. okay, hold on, hold on. At least let me finish all, I, I, I'm like halfway through it. I'm going point. to interrupt you because there's no way yeah, that the San Jose Earthquakes have the same percentage of winning MLS Cup as the New York Red Bulls. Uh, or the Columbus Crew for that matter. According to 538. Oh, 538 um, needs to update. Yes, so Nashville, Red Bulls, Columbia, uh, Columbus, San Jose, New England, Minnesota are all at two percent. Then Charlotte, Vancouver, Colorado, and Chicago are at one. And then re- it's mean uh, to Charlotte, they don't deserve that. Then Salt Lake, Inter Miami, Houston, DC United, Miami, and St. Louis, Louis are at less. Wait, St. Louis, St. Louis are at less than one percent. See, like you said, who did you say in the last group? That- uh, St. Louis, D.C. United, Houston, Inter-Miami. Yeah, Inter-Miami don't League. like belong in that final category of teams. D.C. United were terrible. I mean, Inter-Miami at least have a playoff chance, I think. Uh, well, they well, did uh, lose. Romeo Beckham's gone. They have oh, a 33% no. That's it. chance. That's it. Of, Season's over. They have a 33% chance of making the playoffs. So actually, uh, fun fact, according to this, Red Bulls have a 60% chance of making the playoffs. That's NYCFC no. have an 88% That's chance That's crazy. I love how you're smiling like you care at all. I don't think they have. Look, look. A I'm starting to care a little bit. I don't think they have a single update since December first, twenty twenty-two. This was ma- calculated uh, in that. Uh, I'm saying. I'm not saying when they when they calculated this it. This was I'm updated saying, yesterday. No, wait, no. This was updated uh, today at five twenty-two p.m. So yeah, less I'm, than an hour ago. I'm saying like they have not calculated which players are on which team now. You understand what I'm saying? Sure. It's an algorithm. Like yeah. they just plug numbers in. They said this is where I this think team you're just finished. Angry there. that that you're at two uh, percent. I mean, two percent is fine. I, I if in a league with twenty nine teams, two percent seems pretty high, actually. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it's not better said, than ten. You said Inter Miami have what a thirty three percent chance of making the playoffs. Uh, Inter Miami have a thirty three percent chance of making the playoffs. I also a know, less than one percent of winning it. I think that this is also further behind because they have not taken into account the new playoff format. Every team makes the playoffs more, that more is a or less. Very good segue. More Thank or less, you. because if Inter Miami have a thirty-three percent chance of making the playoffs, that means they have to finish between tenth and fifteenth, which is a third of the East standing. So technically, every team has a two-thirds chance of making the playoffs just for existing in the league. So there you have it. With that said, this new format consists of nine teams bumping up from the original seven in each conference, one through eight, or sorry, one through seven with a bye to the quote-unquote first round, and eight and nine playing each other in a playoff to have the right 
to play number one in a, and hold on to your horses, three-match series, home away home, that's going to take about a week and a half to complete. That makes sense to me. Why does it make sense to you? What? Because I... Because then, it, then there's a like you could have it at multiple. You have it in multiple fixtures and also have home advantage as like being a thing. I think people have been saying instead of stupid away goals. People, people have been saying why, why this and away goals don't matter. It's it's exactly. first team to win two matches. I think three goes, games is better than away goals. Away goals are stupid. I think that's an argument. They went away with it in uh, in Europe, and that for for a reason that people think it's stupid. I think you're you're right to have that opinion if you if you choose to have it. With that said, the reason behind that additional playoff field and the additional matches is for money, for TV money from Apple. We know that. Why is this the route that they've chosen instead of what was rumored before was a World Cup-style group stage for the playoffs? And then they realized that they could have teams that would already be eliminated from playoffs still playing meaningful games. And then they were like, okay, so maybe we need to do it. We have a series then we go to the actual playoff contention. That way, also, every team gets a home game in the playoffs, which is big not only for TV revenue because it's an extra game, but for stadium revenue. For Organizations, teams. Yeah. And, and that's not just, not, just, not just for fans to put, to put seats in the stadium. That's for people who work at the stadiums, work for the teams. That's beneficial for jobs. You're one of them. You work at Yankee Stadium. Is that, si- is that 16 teams are going to get a, a home game in the playoffs? Uh yeah, that's sixteen insane teams. number. That's Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, are you saying that every? So basically, I, I don't think every team gets one because if you're in the wild, if you're the card, ninth, if you're the ninth seed, you won't. Okay, so unless so you every, win, unless, unless you, you win, win your, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's so, like the NBA playing, and this is yeah, actually, and the yeah. NBA playing is a disaster. Everyone hates it. And wait, right, okay, okay, let's let's it's <laughs> wrong sport, wrong sport. Let's guys. backpedal. This, this, this isn't um, pod. First of all, the plan's great. The plan's awesome. Second of all, um, the NBA plan. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. And I'm I'm oh, gonna go I, I now. I'm gonna go now because I just like I'll just for the next couple minutes. I'll Take just your time. See you guys go. Take your time. The plane is great. The plane is reinventing how it is. It's not keeping it bland. It's something that baseball kind of baseball kind of did before everybody. But bat- basketball really where it was come from comes from you're two. You're already a seed in. You're second to last team that's in the playoffs, and you got to go play. Like that's a whole other aspect. It changes how you kind of think about these playoff teams, and kind of adds almost the factor relegation adds, where it's like these teams have something to play for, and kind of gives teams something to play for. Because in the MLS and just like any sports league in general, you're just really looking for you know to give motiv- teams motivation to win games. And expanding the playoffs is the reason to do that, especially so how drastic it is. That could really give teams motivation that like, hey. Any of us can win, and I think that's really cool. I don't know why you guys are so against it, honestly. I think that in a league like Major League Soccer, and I correct me if I'm wrong, there's, there, uh, my interpretation of the NBA play-in game was that they realized LeBron and the Lakers were not going to make the playoffs mid-season, and then altered it so it, we would have a chance. You were no, you were off by <laughs> you were off by a year. They announced okay. it the year they won the championship, and LeBron called it stupid, and then the next year he was in, and he, then he was benefited by it. Yeah. Okay, so this is just ironic. That's a yeah, funny. Right. He may not even make it this year. Well, I, he's the greatest. That's neither here nor there. Greatest athlete um, Yeah. Congrats on Wait, your congrats on breaking the points record, LeBron. I hope you're listening. I'm sorry. What did you say? I said LeBron's the greatest athlete of all time besides Messi. I don't know why that like made you want to stop. I know I don't know why that made you stop him from talking. But that's not like a crazy thing. Okay, I I didn't hear the the Messi part. I just heard greatest athlete of all time. Okay, with that said, I the reason I don't love the idea of a play-in in Major League Soccer is because the the regular season is already so watered down in this league. This only does more, and I think. This was kind of the vibe at Media Day with the Red Bulls 
pretty much all the reporters were kind of in the same boat that they understood. And this is kind of maybe specific to only the Red Bulls because they are historically terrible in the playoffs. <laughs> but the the vibe was, well, the regular season's not going to matter to the last 10 games now. And the playoffs are going to take up way too much time and, and, and effort from the regular season. And League's Cup already gives out three Champions League spots now. So what's even the point to try to go for a supporter shield? Well, I think those are all valid criticisms. I think the three legs, the uh, the three match uh, series, while they will be exciting, I think it takes away from the regular season, which I think is ultimately the status of global soccer is that the regular season isn't even a thing. It's just the season. And if you the best team at the end of the season, you're the champion. Um, I think that it's good that MLS is unique and different and has their own way of uh, crowning a champion. It keeps the league fresh. I think enhancing the playoff field is good to keep fans engaged, to keep things fresh, like you mentioned, Chris. But I still go back to 2018 and prior when their playoff format, to me, was so perfect in terms of getting the right level of competition and fairness into a league that has so much turnover and unpredictability and parity that you want to have a playoffs. They had six teams. It was kind of like the NFL playoffs before they made it seven. You had six teams in each conference make it. First and second seed get a bye. Third seed plays the six, and the four plays the five in one-off matches. And then from there, it's two legs until the final. To me, that mimicked, that mimicked European soccer in a way that it was appealing to soccer fans. It was competitive enough that it didn't exclude too many teams that it was that was too small of a playoff field, but also had enough that it kept the entire league engaged. And I also think that it was American enough for playoffs to be fun and everyone to say, this is, this is something that we can... All aspire to be, and teams got home games in the semifinals and the conference, in the conference semifinals and the conference finals. Obviously, there's fewer games in that, and there's more money to be earned with nine playoff teams and these. So we understand the decision. I think from a competitive standpoint, that 16 playoff format with two legs was probably the best one, and also it mitigated against the crapshoot of MLS playoffs. You know, um, we've seen teams go on random runs, and I'll. I'll go pick from recent experience in New York, 2021. They caught fire very late in the season. No one expected them to be an MLS Cup final, and then they were. In 2008, the Red Bulls qualified into the Western Conference by the, via the old wildcard system and made it to MLS Cup final out of seemingly nothing. The MLS Cup playoffs are a crapshoot, and having one-off matches in the knockout rounds only makes that worse. I think... Having multiple legs is a good idea. I prefer the two-leg system just because that's more soccer-related than the three-match ties. This goes back to uh, the old-school 90s days when they used to do three-game series in MLS Cup playoffs, and they would have to have a winner. First the two matches wins. That is the current format only for the first round because then after that it goes back to single elimination, which I don't love because then there's the crapshoot mm -hmm. factor. And if you really want MLS Cup to be the defining trophy for the best team in the league, then I feel like it shouldn't be a crapshoot and should be indicative of quality. This helps with that a little bit, whereas the single elimination seven teams, I thought, did not help with that. But I think it just it eliminates the problem again by going back to one-leg ties, to, to just one-off ma matches after the uh, first round. Not, 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 not much you can add to that. That was, like, pretty Yeah, perfect. yeah, I, like, you know, I... I I jokingly said it before with the NYCFC, but he he basically took you know most of of what I was gonna say. I mean, I just, I just I'm the thing I hate the most. I, I honestly I don't think I mind the play in, you know maybe just because I'm a new MLS fan or trying to 
become an MLS fan. Uh, but the thing that's really getting under my skin is the best of three. I just I, I can't imagine that in soccer. Like like if anything, if you want to have more it's MLS games, history though, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, like if you want to have more games, uh, why not just do a home and away leg for both? Um, well, we just bring one. back the old shootout too. I see. That's what I'm saying. If they're going to commit to it, and by the way, this is a rule: no extra time in these games. If it's, straight to if, penalties? It's, if it's tied after 90, Ooh. straight to penalties. What? Which I think is atrocious. Oh, that's crazy. That's Absol- a bit insulting. But but it for fitness purposes. That's yeah, why they, they have if it. If they're you doing three, if they games, do three exactly. 120 minute games in a row. Yeah, th- th- that's the issue th- th- that I'm having. Like, this is why it's, it's three. You could games. do you could do two two. Home and away. Why and not just do two? Also, also, one what? more thing. One more thing. Just before you keep going. That's money to be made. Soccer and hockey having shootouts to decide games is Hate easily it. the dumbest thing in the history of sports. It yes. is like, like mind-numbingly dumb about how that can decide a game. Hockey, like hockey should end in a tie before it should go to a shootout. No, they should play forever. Or they could, they could expand. If they, Isn't there like if, a second hockey puck that goes in after like six overtime? That is incorrect. Ah. Uh, I think tragedy. Well, you thought that was you? You were like serious nah. just now. Oh, okay. I I don't like, wow. that, that's from NHL threes. You might be thinking of. Yeah, <laughs> I Arcane think that is exactly game. what you're yeah. thinking. But I think I think this this just the dialogue around this has been mostly negative from the fans. I think everybody it's, realizes it, it's, it's a cash it's grab, and it, and it is what it is. Like, like, look, look. I understand the MLS wanting to make as much money as possible, but if you do home and away legs for both, so it's the conference semifinals and then the conference finals. Apart from round one, yeah. if you do home and away legs, that is more games alone than this current uh, best of three matchup. Because mm. uh, according to the MLS website, uh, the round one, so the best of three series can have a maximum of sixteen games. Mm-hmm. If you do home and away for those, that's sixteen as well. If I'm not mistaken, my math might be a bit mm. off. But, the point, but then you're, you also do home right. and away for the conference semifinals and the conference finals. Every team gets a home game. I'm not saying we keep away goals because that obviously that's been scrapped in Europe, but it should be you know at least if you want to have every team to have a home game, then yeah, do home like have a two-legged competition. It's still giving good revenue because it's instead of three games like you know imagine NYCFC goes off against Red Bulls, NYCFC wins game one, then game two is like oh you know we want to win, but if anything we have a game three. I would prefer to have two legs just because I do it too. It's it's always at least in European soccer it's always been that I understand I I get why they want to do three legs. It also makes it more appealing because you know everything else in the U.S. is you know there's best of seven mm-hmm. for baseball, basketball, yeah. you know for everything it's best of something. But for soccer, I don't think like if you want to do a best of three, maybe do that for the uh, for the playing game. If you want to do that, just because a playing thing is a strictly American thing, like if you want to do the playing for that best of three. Be my guest because you know that's you know it, I, I think that could be a nice compromise, but to have it for like when every team is playing best of three, I, I think that's stupid. So like, I would I would I would rather have a home and away. I I'm with you entirely, but MLS is not going to go back to the home and away system because they prefer the single elimination so much more. The TV viewership per match obviously increases because each match has more value. Stakes. Yeah. So not but not only that. The whole the, the way that they build it was that if you perform better in uh, your regular season, single elimination is going to help you because you have to win one match. You have home advantage the entire way through. All yeah, that. Yeah, but it's, anything can happen though. Right. Uh, that's why you said it's you know. But they 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 like this. The single elimination has 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 done too well for the league for them to go back to two legs. 
the reason that they're doing the three legs is so they can pump in the more matches. And this was a way of them to do that without going back to home and away. I mean, I, I'm not saying that the final should be home and away. I, I just want to make that clear. Yeah. Like, the final should be a one. The CONCACAF Champions League final is home and away. Wild. But, uh, no, but uh, like, if anything, like, this thing should be more of, like, the UEFA Champions League. Like, you know, to have the home and away, home and away, home and away, and then the Plus, final. Plus, you but, guys know these best threes are all going to end up with a single elimination game anyway. Like they're they're gonna one's gonna win the home game, the other one's gonna win their home game, and it's gonna end up being exactly yeah, it, it, what you guys are complaining no, about right now. It, it's just like well, okay, first of all, you know, it, 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 it's like I said, if the if one team wins game one, then you know, if if they lose game two, if anything out, we have game three. So it's like I, I do predict a lot of you know, it will go to the uh, to, to like, the decisive like game almost three. all. Of them also, probably. like yeah, but, you gotta remember, this is soccer, so fitness is going to be a massive deal with three games and. Admittedly, probably like, a short amount of time, probably two have, weeks. You, you're gonna have such a leg up if you win in two instead of three. Like it's gonna be yeah. so because and like you actually is the third one extra time or is all of them penalties? All of them no go straight what? to penalties after ninety minutes. I would have preferred the third one to go into extra time, if anything, because I, I mean, yeah, th- th- that would have given it a bit more. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that by 2025, this format won't exist. Because they change their format every other year now. I like that. But with 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 that said, I think there's also to mention yellow cards are going to be, going to be a like a very big deal in a three leg in a three match series. Think about it. You pick up a yellow card in the first and the second. You're out for the third, or then you could be out for the next leg. I don't know. This is all all new to us. I, I'm sure we'll find we'll find out more when the time comes. Yeah, I mean, time comes. That's not going to be for a while. That's more October. It's still February the twenty fourth. Fuvfc Friday. Strong to a close. This has been a fun episode, guys. There's one final I thing say. I want to shout out because we didn't mention it before. What did we not mention? There, there's a trophy up for grabs. This oh weekend. my goodness! Did I forget? Yes, I did forget. You did. Talk about it for 20 seconds. Uh, Carabao Cup final this Sunday. Newcastle against United. Can you tell me who Newcastle's goalie will be? Not Nick Pope because he got a red card against Liverpool. That is correct. And by the way, you phrased the question. What? And by the way, you phrased the question. It probably wasn't Nick Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you actually not know who the goalkeeper it's is? Not uh, Martin. Oh, it's Carius, right? It's, it's Loris Carius because oh, Dubravka is cup tied because he to played United, for yeah. United. So yeah. big play. I knew it couldn't be Dubravka. Big, big brain. That's by, actually uh, insane. Yeah, like, big brain the fact yeah. he's playing in another like a this match is his that first big. game since. I, no, it can't. Be. Okay, it can't. No, be. No, <laughs> no, it cannot. No, 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 no there's no way. Okay, let me rephrase because. What I mean by for like it's his first game for like his own team because he's, meaningful he's, game. he's been loaned out. He, meaningful he's been loaned game. out a lot. Yeah. But like the fact that his first meaningful game is another cup final. Glorious. It's gonna be I I, I can see the story. I can see the, the he's gonna be cup the hero. Writers, I'm gonna call you know, it going on. I'm out. saying this as a Manchester United fan, Loris Carey is gonna be the hero. Of course he's gonna be the hero. United he totally is gonna be the hero. Of course he's gonna be the United hero. Right. United need to win this. Where he gives up six. Alright, well let's well let's 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 wrap this up before we start getting at random ideas about Loris Karius ever being a hero again. That's going to do it for us here at FUVFC. If you want to catch MLS action this weekend, you're going to have to get Apple TV Plus or you're going to have to watch it in Spanish on Universo. Either way, Is you're going to peacock or follow the beat or follow oh, the beat yeah. or follow the beat or fo- yeah, follow us. Uh, when we post this uh, podcast, you'll have our Twitter information, so you'll know where to follow. Red Bulls and NYCFC. Red Bulls NYCFC. If you want to catch their action tomorrow, get on Apple TV Plus. The Red Bulls play tomorrow night in Orlando City at seven thirty. New York City FC plays at Geodis Park in Nashville at four thirty. For Michael Hernandez, Chris Carino, Pat Amaturo behind the boards. I am James Burley. So long. We will see you guys next time.